Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Today is the 10th of September of 2020, and I'm going to be giving a little bit of career advice. In this case, if you're following me, you must have some sort of desire or ambition or whatnot to go into critical care medicine, and I'm going to tell you why you should not go into critical care medicine. Again, this is not really meant to dissuade you from choosing critical care medicine, whether you're a physician, nurse, respiratory therapist, pharmacist, etc. I'm not trying to dissuade you from it. I'm just trying to prepare you for the reality that comes with this job. Because at the end of the day, no job ever is all sunshine and roses. Everything has its pros and its cons. This particular podcast is going to be the cons of this, but I am also going to make a podcast about all the pros. So, and there are a lot of pros because I I freaking love my job. To those of you who don't know me, I'm a critical care medicine physician and I love, love, love my job. You all should clearly be able to see my enthusiasm and passion for my work. I mean, why else in the world would I be exerting all this effort on podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my website? Why else would I be doing this unless I loved it? I mean, I'm really not making any money off of it, guys. No money whatsoever for all the effort that I put into it. And that's completely okay with me because my objective is to teach you all critical care medicine to help you take care of patients the best way you can. Being completely honest with you, if I won the lottery tomorrow, not that I even play the lottery if I'm, if I'm completely honest, I'd still work. Maybe not the seven on seven off type schedule that I have right now, but at least one week a month. I mean, ultimately this career gives me a sense of purpose that fulfills me. It honestly gives my life some sort of meaning. And I ultimately hope that you find, whether it be in critical care or anything else you do in life, something that drives you, something that gives you purpose, because ultimately it's the cure of what ails you. When I've had my time that I've been traveling and having a good time and all that, there comes a certain point where I start getting the itch to come back to work and take care of people. But again, the purpose of all this is to inform you that it's not all sunshine and roses, and it might be several podcasts so that, you know, you don't spend 45 minutes in one shot listening to me just rant about this. When you're looking at a job, you have to figure out what are the negatives of that job that you're willing to deal with. As I mentioned before, no job is perfect. No career is perfect. I mean, I ultimately have to be very careful with the way that I phrase things and say things because I don't want anything to offend anybody. But I'm also trying to tell the truth. To a certain extent, please take this post lightly. I know I'm giving a lot of a lot of disclaimers here, but we live in a time that people find any reason to get offended by anything. And, you know, I don't want you guys to say, oh, by the way, Eddie said this, that, and the other, and he's a complete uh, butthole. Like, I'm just trying to help people out. Like everything in life, I will say that they're good nurses, they're bad nurses, they're good doctors, they're bad doctors, they're good respiratory therapists, bad respiratory therapists, good pharmacists, bad pharmacists, etc. Okay. The objective of all this is to review some of the drawbacks of the career so that you can't complain that you were never told. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. First of all, 
Training to get into critical care medicine, especially being a critical care medicine physician, is a very long journey. The learning curve is quite steep. I mean, I've already covered this on one of my first or second podcasts where I describe all different methods that one could pursue to get into critical care medicine. But if you're a nurse, also, I'd like to say I can't explain the necessary steps to be a critical care nurse. I, I just don't know. And I don't like speaking about things that I don't know about. So I'll defer to the experts on this. But if you are a physician, uh, MD student, DO student, uh, MBBS student, and you're looking to get into critical care, you need to consider doing at least five years of training after you complete medical school to train for this position. Another component is that in order to get into critical care medicine fellowships, it's extremely, extremely competitive. Believe me that I'm not trying to brag when I say this, I'm just being completely honest and transparent. But when I applied for my fellowship program, there were over 200 applicants for just the two spots that were available. And I'm very, very grateful that I got into my fellowship program. Now, one of the things that's barely ever discussed aloud is that if you choose to pursue a fellowship, there's obviously an opportunity cost to this. And this was suggested by Gerald, who runs the website grepmed.com. And it's something I regularly discuss with registered nurses who are in their 30s or late 20s and who want to start MD school or DO school rather than go to NP school. I mean, there's going to be an opportunity cost there because, for example, if you're going into MP school, you can still work versus if you go to medical school, you really, really can't work. And, you know, the cost and the time and all that, there's big differences there. But again, that's something that I do not know a lot about and there are people who could discuss it better than I can. However, if you're an internal medicine doctor, for example, you finish your three years of IM residency and you want to go into fellowship, you need to be aware that you're going to be losing about $200,000 per year while in fellowship rather than practicing hospital medicine. And don't quote me on these numbers, guys. These are just like the salaries that I've heard out there. But the quick and inaccurate inaccurate math, excuse me, behind the salary is that you can make about $250,000 per year as a hospitalist versus about 50 grand a year as a fellow for your PGY-4 and your PGY-5 year. Ultimately, the salary increase over a hospital salary for the intensivist will take several years to recover, and this is an opportunity cost. Just be aware that you're going to be, you're going to be relatively speaking in the hole financially. And I don't want to get political by any stretch of the imagination when I say the following statement, but reimbursement for critical care medicine physicians is decreasing. At least through CMS for the year 2021, our reimbursement is going to go down. It's hard to complain about that because relatively speaking, we're far more well off than the majority of the population. But if you're in this business to get rich, just letting you know, it's not going to happen. There are other careers that you could pursue if you want to do it for the money, which if, you, if you're looking for the money, please stay out of medicine. I don't want you to be my colleague. Just flat out, I don't want you to be my colleague if you're looking at this job just for money. All right, let's move on to talking about just the logistics of your schedule if you choose to go into critical care medicine. You need to remember that people get sick 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. This definitely includes both nights and weekends and holidays. Wait, I said both. That's really three different things. Nights, weekends, yeah, three. Anyway. You will most likely have to work nights, guys. If you work at a place where, or if you're looking for a place where there's no in-house night ICU coverage, chances are it's a place where you're not really going to be able to flex your muscles with regards to your critical care knowledge. 
Sometimes there might be an NP or PA who covers knights. That's perfectly cool. If you're an NP or PA looking at going down critical care medicine, the same applies to you. You might have to go ahead and do knights. And that also that ultimately depends on the practice where you join. If you're a nurse, sometimes to be able to get into the ICU, you have to go into night shift first and then eventually prove you got what it takes and then you'll get moved over to day shift. Another consideration is that shifts themselves are long. If you want a nine to five job, guys, this is this is not it. Critical care is not a nine to five job. If you want to be an ICU doctor, your shifts tend to be at least 10 hours long. Um, I did do an interview for a job that had three different shifts for critical care doctors, which were seven to three, three to 11 and 11 to seven. But day shifts at my current gig are from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. You know, sometimes we stay a little bit longer depending on patient care. And my opinion is that 10 hours is a piece of cake. This does mean, though, that my night shifts are from 6 p.m. all the way to 8 a.m. And those those 14 hours don't exactly move quickly. They're, they're pretty tough. In addition to this, working seven shifts in a row is also pretty grueling. Some people see the seven on, seven off schedule as being on vacation half the time. But the truth is you're working an 80-hour week. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're basically working two weeks in one week. So you should deserve to be on vacation half the time. Honestly, I do seven on, seven off for the most part, and I, and I do love my schedule. But when you start approaching day six and seven, you are utterly exhausted. Your brain has been taken through the ringer. You're very tired. Your first day off after, after your seven on, you just want to sit down and not do a darn thing. There, there are not a lot of easy decisions to make when it comes to patient care. Um, you know, there are only a few patients out there in your ICU who aren't walking on a tightrope and trying to die for lack of other terminology. The seven on seven off schedule also has a drawback that you will work every other weekend. This obviously limits your ability to socialize with normal people who are off every single weekend. You know, the other thing is that let's say you start your shifts on Monday and your sixth shift is on Saturday and you want to hang out on Saturday night or somebody wants to hang out with you on Saturday night. You are most likely not going to want to hang out with anybody at all. It's It just doesn't happen. Maybe I'm just getting old, but I, I do not want to hang out with anybody after working my my sixth, my fifth or sixth shift when it starts coming into the weekend. For nurses, shifts are typically 12 plus hours. I know the schedule might tell you that it's 12 hours, but don't think that you could walk in at 7 a.m. and leave at 7 p.m. This This just does not happen. And my experience behind this, of course, is that my wife is a critical care nurse. You need to get there early for a quick briefing and sign out. And, you know, when you want to get out at 7 o'clock at night, somebody might be late. You might spend a little bit more time handing off the patient to your colleague. Leaving at 7 p.m. is, is not necessarily something that, that you could count on happening reliably. Some people say that nurses working three shifts in a row is a piece of cake and it's, and it's easy. But I'm telling you, just watching my wife work three shifts in a row and sometimes four, you get your butt kicked pretty regularly. And then there's no such thing as getting out early because you have something to do like, you know, take your car to the mechanic. No, no, no. You got to plan around your schedule. This also means that you have to work weekends, holidays, regularly for that matter, and maybe even nights. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Does your child happen to have a sporting event, some sort of class or after school activity? Well, forget about being able to take them if you get out at 7 o'clock, 7.30 or whatever. Some of these school after school activities, like I said, will be missed. I personally don't have children myself at the moment, so others could get into this and elaborate better than I can. But even being at the hospital, let's talk about lunch breaks. Everybody who is involved in patient care could attest that at some point this could become a fantasy. I could easily fast for an entire shift as I've trained myself not to eat at all when the going gets tough. It's not like you could leave the hospital, get in your car, drive somewhere to go get food with your friends. It doesn't work that way. I mean, As a nurse, you get 30 minutes to eat, and most places where people work, they don't even get to park inside the actual building itself. They have to take a bus or a trolley or something from the parking lot. And the walk to your car is possibly 5 to 10 minutes alone. Well, thank goodness for capitalism as Grubhub and Uber Eats has been created, so it makes life a little bit easier to order some food. But yeah, you also don't have a guaranteed lunch break. You got to make sure to keep some bananas, protein bars, nuts, other snacks handy. Also, think about holidays. Pick your favorite holiday. What is it? Christmas? Thanksgiving? New Year's? The 4th of July? Chances are you're going to have to work several of those. Will your significant other understand these caveats? Will they understand the insanity of your schedule? I mean, I'm not saying that these are unique to the field of medicine and of critical care, but they're things that are worth considering if, you're, if you want to go down this, uh, down this path. There are nice, comfortable office jobs that work from 9 to 5 or 8 to 4 or whatever that one could pursue instead. So this is the conclusion of part one of this podcast where I discuss the cons of going into critical care. Again, please don't hold me or try to strangle me because I said something that upset you. I'm just trying to do my best to inform those of you who are interested in going into critical care some of the things that you should be expecting when you go down this field. Now, in the subsequent uh, podcast, I'm going to be talking about the actual job of critical care and all the caveats that come with it. In addition to that, I'm going to be discussing interdisciplinary and interpersonal. Uh, <laughs> this that's, that's always going to be fun, but interpersonal uh, dynamics that happen with all the egos. I'm also going to be discussing death, which is not necessarily the elephant in the room, but at the same time, the elephant in the room, because a lot of people die for whatever reason in the ICU and then lastly I'm going to go into family dynamics I'll probably find some other things uh, along the way to discuss but yeah thanks for supporting the podcast guys hope you guys have a great day bye